Christmas is a strange time for podcasts, as in less people listen to podcasts over Christmas quite often. So your Christmas specials will often have less listeners. But at the same time, I think it's a really important time to put out an episode because at Christmas, people who are listening to podcasts are really listening to podcasts. They're listening to those podcasts when they're traveling home for Christmas or they're listening to those podcasts in snatched moments in family homes where they're having some time to themselves. Often podcasters will be people's company in complicated Christmases, in bleak midwinter moments. They will get senses of solidarity or light and joy and just general shared human experiences. And sometimes we need those at Christmas. Sometimes we're not getting those. And there have been many podcasts which have been a light in the darkness for me over the years at Christmas. And there's been podcasts which have been the opposite of that, have been me listening to other people who've had bad experiences and feeling less alone. That's something that podcasts have provided me at Christmas. That's what books have often, before podcasts came out, provided me at Christmas. That's what radio has often provided me at Christmas. And podcasts are part of that tradition. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. And this is the GBA Christmas Special 2017. This is the seventh edition of Getting Better Acquainted with Christmas. So there's been six years worth of Getting Better Acquainted Christmases that are out there for you to listen back to. They look at very different aspects of Christmas. Some of them are more positive, some of them are more negative. Going back further and further, you get to a version of me that I no longer agree with, both in terms of my word choices and in terms of my reflections and understanding of the world. And listening back to some of them over the last few days, I felt embarrassed by some. I felt impressed by some. Sometimes I felt embarrassed and impressed at the same time or very closely together. So I don't endorse the past versions of me that looked at Christmas. And yet in some ways I do endorse listening back to those episodes. very complicated time. Christmas doesn't come with a content note. You do know it's coming. Although, you know, you can be watching something in the middle of the summer or the spring and suddenly it will talk about Christmas and that might trigger for many of us responses to experiences that we've had 
in the past because Christmas is a time when a lot of emotion comes together, a lot of people come together, where families close in around themselves and complicated things can happen. And that's how I feel about Christmas now, going into 2018. I've had some good Christmases and I've had some bad Christmases, but for me, Christmas is always going to be a complicated thing. But that's not how it always was for me. How did I feel about Christmas and about life in 1988? In this year's Getting Better Acquainted Christmas special, we'll be visited by three recordings, three ghosts of just after Christmas past. Because the recordings aren't from Christmas, but they're from New Year, but they are influenced by Christmas. These recordings are bearing gifts. They've travelled so far, 30 years to be exact. This year we'll hear from the before Christmas went bad version of me, as well as the after Christmas went bad version of me. And we'll also hear from past versions of my dad and my brother, who've both been featured on Getting Better Acquainted. Do you know what year it is now, Dave? What? The wrong one. What year is it, Nineteen eighty eight, yeah. Huh? What was it before then? Nineteen eighty seven. Nineteen eighty seven. Well would you like to say a few words to the New Year, Dave? Come on, I'll put the re- come on, I'll put the recorder on, you can say something for the New Year. Here, Dave, come and say a few new a few words to the world for the New Year. Don't get too near, you can just put me right there. What do I do? Well, anything you like to. What what message have you got for the world on this New Year's Day from the King of the Fairies? Any. You told me you were the king of the fairies when we were going up I the hill. Am. I am. And so you should have a message beep, for all beep, the fairies anyway. Beep. All right. Do I do it now? Yes. All those fairies out there, this is the best year we're going to have. Because all the witches and things up there are going to come down to work, all right? And you better come down too. Bye. You better tell them who you are, who you're speaking. Well, they wouldn't realize of course it's the King of the Fairies. Bye. Oh, well, that would be the fairies. They'd be a very happy lot. They'd be a very happy lot. What? Could I hear oh, what they said now? What? So I find it quite entertaining that when I was six years old, I was very interested in being King of the Fairies. Being the King of the Fairies is the kind of thing that kids at school when I got to secondary school and I was really bullied that's the kind of thing that they might have shouted at me when I was walking down the corridors trying to survive in my secondary school experience and it's kind of delightful to me that there was a time when I would use that term about myself with no shame with no complications there is no shame in loving fairies in wanting to be one of the fairies. Fairies are brilliant and powerful folklore myth and there is lots of brilliant things about fairy. The thing that I don't like now listening back is the idea of being a king. I'm not really into monarchies. I'm not really into hierarchies. I'm not really into leaders and so the idea of me at six wanting to be a king is much more repellent to me than the kind of homophobic and anti-femme attitude towards the word fairy. So that was 1988. When I was six years old, my dad 
would have been 63. My brother was 12. We're living in a cottage in a small village called Afon Wen. And that house had a name, actually. It was called Manjulafa. Half of that house, or over half, two-thirds of that house, was lived in by my mum and my stepdad and me and my brother. And then a smaller part of the house was annexed off and made into a sort of separate house for my dad. It was a much smaller house. He had a very small space to sleep and a very small kitchen there. But at the same time... He converted the garage at the back into a a kind of room for me and my brother to sleep in at weekends. And so we went to visit my dad's half of the house at weekends. And my dad generally brought us up. 1988 is also the year that my half-sister, or my sister, as I like to think of her, was born. And in this episode, we kind of get a sense of that birth. My sister was born in the time between... The second of the clips you'll hear today and the last of the clips that you'll hear today. And in that last clip, you'll hear her crying in the background near the end. So there's six years between my sister and me and then between me and my brother. So we're quite spaced out. And so in lots of our childhood experiences, we were in very different places in terms of our development, in terms of our interests, in terms of our levels of maturity. During different times in my childhood, I felt closer to my brother or to my sister. I was born in the middle and there's 12 years between them. So there's quite a long period of time between them. But I feel close to both of them and I feel very lucky to be close to both of them. Listening to myself in that time before Christmases became complicated is a really strange experience. What I also hear in those clips is my dad making space for both me and my brother to explore and create and him taking time to kind of engage with us and play with us. The tapes, as I say, were recorded when we lived in North Wales They were recorded on cassette tape from a tape recorder that had a kind of external mic going out. I remember that mic well. And at various different times in the childhoods of all of the family's children, my dad used that mic to record story tapes for us. So there's a a tape for David from one of my birthdays. There's a tape for Sonia, who's my niece or my half-niece my dad's granddaughter. There's a tape for her. There's a tape for my little sister, Rosie, at a certain point. And I've been listening to some of those recordings. And there's also a couple of these recordings from different times where my dad just kind of turned on the mic to get a record of those times. And I guess that is very similar to the kind of thing that I do now on Getting Better Acquainted. And so that's interesting to me, both in terms of nature and in terms of nurture, like that quality is something that has come from my dad to me. I don't know exactly how or why, what's nature, what's nurture, but I do know that that's something that's been passed on to me. And it's a complicated time to think about my dad for me, because he's now 93, but then he was 63. If you want more context about my dad and me and our our relationship and how things have changed between him being 63 and him being 93, this year I wrote a series of personal essays about that, about his dementia, about 
mental health, our relationship, death, making art, making documentary, masculinity in one essay. Like we, I looked at as many different sides as I could, friendship, and I put a lot into those essays. Uh, they mean a lot to me. I think that they are quite good. Uh, there is, uh, they're not just essays as well. They're kind of, they're pieces on medium. So there's photographs and there's sound clips, there's links. So they're kind of more interactive experiences. Over Christmas, if you're looking for something to distract you or something to connect with your similar experiences, then they're there on medium for you to read. I'd really love you to read them. It would be a, a wonderful Christmas present for me to have more people see those pieces because, as I say, they, they mean a lot to me and I think they're quite good. They're called Down to a Sunless Sea, Memories of My Dad. And I'll put a link to them in the show notes. So this next clip, I asked my brother if I could put this out he hasn't heard it though so I don't know what he's going to think when he hears it I did ask him though uh, a month or so ago I've, I've known about these clips for a while I discovered them earlier this year when I was putting together those medium pieces about my dad but I didn't listen to them fully I just got an idea of what they were and then I said to my brother there's some recordings of us when we're kids we're talking about Christmas we're talking about New Year I'd like to put them out on the Christmas episode you're rapping in one of them and he said you know put him out and so hopefully he won't mind too much what you've got to remember is that he's 12 years old in this clip after i gave my new year's day speech from the king of the fairies my brother was given the microphone and asked if he wanted to put something down as a new year's greeting he did and then he decided to try out doing a rap at that point both me and my dad get distracted and, and go off because probably I get distracted. I'm six years old and my dad goes off to supervise me. So my brother is left with the microphone and a sense of responsibility that he has to lay down this rap that he said he's going to lay down. He does a lot of takes for a long period of time. Now, I'm not going to play you all of that material uh, and Tony will be thankful probably that I'm not. I did listen to all of it though, and it was quite long, but one of the things that's really interesting about it is Tony's really trying to lay it down, but he's also getting increasingly more frustrated with himself not being good at doing what he's trying to do. I mean, this is the first time he'd ever tried to freestyle, as far as we can tell from what he says, and uh, it, it doesn't come to him naturally. But then something I would say to anybody who is thinking, oh, I'd like to start creating something that I like, is it's always going to be terrible the first time you do it. And if you give up because you go, oh, no, that was terrible. So I can't do this. That's a, a lie, because what that really is, is that's believing that the artisticness, that creativity is kind of innate rather than something that we craft and we learn. And maybe a bit of creativity or some kinds of creativity is a little bit innate. But it always involves craft to make something good and to make something better. And to to be honest, the long period of, of my brother's 12-year-old freestyling that I listen to, he does get better during that. And he does uh, learn some, some things. You can also hear his self-deprecation or his self-criticism which is a quality of his of his adulthood I think he would be comfortable with me saying you can hear that developing you can hear that happening in those clips often when I think about my own past selves I want to give them hugs because of like 
how they were feeling compared to what reality was at the time. And uh, I kind of felt like that about my brother when I listened to this this freestyling. He, he was on his own. He wasn't getting any audience response or positive comments from my dad or, or whatever m- might have happened. So it's very strange to listen back to this kind of moment of kind of unmediated child's experience. Anyway, I've picked the the best bits out of the rap. It might be funny. I think that's perfectly fine to to laugh at it. But I I do want us to remember that this is a kid trying out creativity for the first time. And uh, and sometimes, you know, the idea of rhyming can be really cool to us. But we might not have thought about how to rhyme before we start trying to do it. Um, also, a little bit of context. As I said, we were we were living in a, in the village of Afon when uh, we went up to primary school up in a town called Kerouis, which was at the top of the hill. So Kerouis is the, the local town where my brother was going to school at the time. Yo, cool dudes. This is T Pickering here saying to you, Get pissed off with us, you, because you're going to do it at the end of the year anyway. Thinking about some raps. Be warned, this could be a cock-up, because I've never done anything like this before. Got it? Good. Now then. Um, take one. The careless mob are on vacation. You better watch out. Evacuate the nation. It's New Year's Eve, not New Year's Day. The year has ended, but that's okay. <laughs> For your information, I think I may have come up with another station. This is it. I'm almost at despair. I cannot bear it anymore. I think that this is going on too far. I think that round the stars is boring. I think I'll land on a planet snoring. I wake come up with a glass of Wonex, but never mind. It will have tonic. These lines are becoming exasperating, so never mind, we'll go on vibrating. Vacation is ended in three days, so what the hell, let's break away. That was a complete and utter cock-up. Now, you realise that most of the time I have to have a little bit of time to figure these things out. I have one thing to say about that whole flipping recording. Yuck! I have finally realised that I am no good at rap. Only don't tell my dad this, huh? End of recording, New Year's Eve, 1987. No, actually it was just first thing in the morning of New Year's Day, 1988. Yeah, and you can hear at the end as well, all of this stuff that he said at the end, like that was kind of also edited and put together. Like the whole of what you just heard was a very edited experience. Um, but you can hear at the end that he's very critical of himself. So I think, you know, in the spirit of Christmas, send him love back through time. He didn't discover what he said he discovered, which is that he couldn't freestyle. He discovered that freestyling is hard. And, you know, it's it's even harder for somebody who is, like my brother isn't very musical. He was deaf when he was a child for a, a little bit of time. So he, he has a bit of trouble kind of pitching notes. So rap appeals to him more. But at the same time, everybody's got musicality in them. And you can hear that in, in what he's doing. So I don't 
mean to say he's kind of outside of that but it's a harder thing for him to access the experience of hip-hop is not something that necessarily he had much access to as a kind of middle-class white boy living in a small village in north wales and as i say it's interesting and strange to hear these prototype versions of me and my brother and this earlier version of my dad i've been doing a lot of therapy this year i had 20 weeks of therapy on the nhs which after that it's it's finished now it finished at the beginning of december and on the nhs you get 20 weeks and that's your lot unless you come back and persuade them again so it took me six years to get that 20 weeks but it was something that i did really appreciate when i did get it so that's super lucky I could have hated my therapist and I could have had six years of trying to get therapy only to have a bad therapy experience. So I feel quite lucky, quite, quite, quite blessed, I guess, if we're getting into the kind of Christmassy sense, whatever blessed means. I'm agnostic. I don't really believe in God, but there are some experiences I can only really call blessed despite having no religious leanings. Many episodes of Getting Better Acquainted have been blessed moments for me over the years where a conversation has just happened and it's, it's been magical and it's given me something. It's nourished me in some way and therapy luckily for me has been something that's nourished me this year and one of the things that my therapist would often talk to me about was this idea of sitting with my past selves just sitting with their emotions like feeling my past selves emotions in me unmediated by how I think now about my life then you know my my current assessment of my childhood put that to the side and actually just feel what I was feeling when I was eight years old or when I was 15 years old or even when I was in my 20s. Like one thing I've learned is that I was more fucked up and had more complexities going on in my 20s than I realized and that I was dealing with a lot of stuff but I didn't really know that I was dealing with it so this idea of feeling the feelings of your past selves and just sitting with that emotion and letting that wash over you and it doesn't destroy you and just feeling what that is and not trying to 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 push it away and deny it and and rewrite it and reprogram it so that's been something that I've been thinking about when I've been listening to these clips this idea of sitting with my past self and also just generally having compassion for past versions of myself one of the things that should give us that compassion is to think you know that when you're children you are learning you are not as responsible as you will be in future times like we should hug children more and shame them less we should explain to children more and instruct them less christmas is a time for children and yet at the same time it's a time when we often scar children quite a lot like i've been scarred frequently at christmas and that wasn't my fault and the adults that did that they were often acting from a motivation of really wanting to make Christmas good, for really wanting to give the children a good experience. Like the places that the things that we do that can scar and traumatize people can come from can often be intentionally good, motivated by love. But 
we aren't just people with love in us. We can feel love, but that doesn't mean that we haven't got fear and confusion and our own traumas and all of these things that we can pass on to other people. And so Christmas has been a fraught time for me. But one thing that's been really positive for me and has nourished me around Christmas as an adult has been the opportunity to provide positive Christmas experiences for their children in my life. And my niece, my my little sister Rosie's daughter, was somebody that we had, me and my partner Jen, had to our house for a few Christmases when she was young. We got to have the experience of being Father Christmas, or as she prefers, Santa Claus, to her and to be the people providing the Christmas joy in my niece's life. For my partner, Jen, that was a kind of sense of continuity. She was passing on the positive experiences of Christmas that she'd had growing up. For me, it was a very opposite kind of feeling. It was an ability to kind of heal my past self in some ways by providing my niece with the joy that I never had. I guess that could have meant that I would have fucked it up, like I would have put too much pressure on myself and that I would have ended up enacting exactly the things that I was afraid that I would enact, that I would continue that cycle. And the same could be said for my sister. But I think that we didn't. I think that we managed it. My niece, I think, would say that she had some very happy Christmases growing up and she often talks about Christmas and those Christmases with a lot of joy. And it's sad to me this year, actually, that we had arranged, me and Jen had arranged to go away and have a Christmas on our own, which is actually a very needed and nourishing thing for us this year. We have had a lot of complicated times and we want to get away and feel free and all of the things that our flat now represents for us we want to get into a situation where we can throw all of those things off and not feel the sense of things that that tie you down and that tie you in knots those very familiar things that we often feel or I have often felt at Christmas so it's sad to me that we're doing that in some ways because of the fact that for the first time in a while there was an opportunity for me to spend Christmas with my niece and my sister who I've loved spending Christmas with and I hope to spend Christmas with again but unfortunately it just came through at the wrong time so we'd already committed to plans. So anyway I gave Christmases to my niece when she was six but Christmas is something that my niece loves. In fact my niece she's coming up for 13 now but how it goes with her is after Christmas she immediately starts talking about her birthday which is in February and then after her birthday in February she immediately starts talking about Christmas she's someone who thinks a lot about both Christmas and her birthday has a lot of plans for those things has a lot of thoughts and opinions around Christmas and her birthday and both of those times are quite fraught for me so it's interesting to see how much excitement to the point of like just shut up about Christmas and your birthday but okay let's talk about them again that she has Uh, and it's interesting and I think that that comes from her ability to look forward to the both of those experiences comes from the fact that her mum has broken the cycle comes from the fact that I broke the cycle the fact that she had wonderful magical nurturing Christmases growing up and they are possible to achieve The next clip is the last clip and it was recorded on the 31st of January and it is interesting to hear that on the 31st of January when I was six years old 
I was also still very into Christmas. Something that I've noticed from working with the under fives and having nieces and nephews is that for children, Christmas it happens and then it's alive in their psyches for like January, February, at least of that year. Like for children, time is very different. So months and days are long periods of time for them. And also there's a lot of time that we spend on Christmas and that then becomes something that becomes part of their play, which is what they do. They fold in their life experiences into play and they replay them and they explore them in different ways and so here you can hear on the 31st of January that previous version of me wasn't trying to forget Christmas like I often would be uh, from kind of eight years old up that version of me is recreating Christmas wouldn't you or whatever you hang out if you hang out what's today Sunday isn't it yeah was it Sunday the what? The 10th of October. No, it's not Sunday the 10th of October. But it's in fairyland. Is it? Well, I thought it was in stockings. I thought today was Sunday the 31st of January 1988. But you say it's what? October. Is it, is it the birthday affair? What? Tell me more about October. the birthday. The 10th of October. And it's the birthday affair, is it? Yeah. What about me? Well, I made fairyland, and fairyland's actually alive. And when the day I built it was na- today. Oh, I see. Last year. And you said it was only about Love Day. What's Love Day then? Well, Love Day is when the person who they love the most, fairy, that they give presents to. Oh, I see. And Christmas, well, you know all about Christmas. Yes. Do you want to borrow my stocking for tonight? What for? Why, why tonight? Your uncle Christmas. It's not, it's Christmas Eve for Fairyland. Tomorrow's Christmas Day for Fairyland. And what are you then, Uncle Christmas? No, I'm Father Christmas in Fairyland. Okay. You what? I'll give you my stocking for tonight. What stocking is that? My own stocking. Oh. Because it is. Listen, is that the baby? If you, hang, if you hang it up out, you might get something in it. You might only get a banana or two, because I don't know what I'm going to be able to get from me, Mum. Of course you do. I can make some homemade presents and wrap them up in bits of my dressing up box. Those are the easiest bits. Bye! So as I said earlier me and Jen are going away for Christmas we're having Christmas on our own we're going to Oxford and we're house sitting for a friend of ours we're getting to live in someone else's house in someone else's city and imagine that they're our own or that we're explorers in a different land but either way the worries about jobs about money about family about all of these kind of complicated things some of which are positive and some of which are negative but all of which just will not stop demanding that we worry about them that we think about them that we organize our lives around them and we supplement our own 
needs or interests or passions because of the fact that we have all of these responsibilities like most people and I should say we're still pretty privileged and that many people have a lot worse than us and many people need the break that we're having more than us and many people will not be able to have that break so you know I I understand that and I'm I wish that was not the case and at Christmas it is definitely a time when we should remember that and try and give to people who haven't got the privilege haven't got the luck haven't got the things that we have be that people who have wonderful, loving, close families, having some sympathy or consideration for those who don't, be that people who have lots of money, having consideration for people who can't buy presents, remembering all the people who are living in war zones as we're having our wonderful moments, they're having the worst horrors of their lives. It's a complicated time and I think it's really important to try and keep the light and the dark in mind, but also to enjoy the light and not be ashamed of the dark. Like, it's okay to not have a happy Christmas. It's okay to not feel merry. It's okay to feel whatever you want to feel this Christmas. A really great sex educator podcast therapist accessible academic Meg John Barker wrote a really good piece of writing uh, about Christmas and rewriting the rules of Christmas and thinking about Christmas in terms of consent and in terms of challenging the normative instructions and rules that we've been given to navigate Christmas and to navigate the wider world around Christmas. So I found that very helpful. You might find that helpful this Christmas. So I'll link to that in the show notes too. So I am going to be having a wonderful time, hopefully, or a bad time. And that's okay too, with my partner Jen in Oxford this Christmas. I will be missing my nieces. I've got a number of nieces. In fact, one of the things that reminded me of Brianna, who is my little sister's daughter, who is the one that I was talking about the Christmases with earlier on, one of the things that I was reminded of when I was listening to this old raw material was a time when I was with Brianna coming up to Christmas, I think, and she was in the bath and we were I was playing ukulele and we were singing songs while she was having a bubble bath. And I was recording that on my Zoom recorder, which I use for getting better acquainted. And I was recording our singing and our jamming and our songs. And then after that, we got talking and I kind of left the the mic on and it was recording this conversation. And I was talking about my other niece because I've got, uh, I guess all of my nieces are technically half nieces, but all three of my half sisters have daughters. One of my older sisters, in fact, has a daughter and a son. So I have nieces and nephews. Um, And when I was talking to Brianna about my other niece, Natasha, who is now this year is 18 and is going to university and is in a very different stage of her life. And and I have a good relationship with her, too. Uh, and I, But anyway, back then I was talking to Brianna about Natasha and Brianna stopped for a moment and said, Uncle Dave, it's OK that you've got other nieces. I don't mind. 
which I found you know really charming and really f- funny. And it was really interesting to realise that that Brie wasn't really aware of my other nieces and had thought of herself as very exclusive. And it was quite funny for her to be giving me permission to love my other nieces. But I understood where that came from, and I really like respected that because it was I thought a mark of how close me and Brie were and how much you know we love each other. But it was also a kind of her recognizing a kind of the wider world and kind of coming to terms with the fact that there are other relationships that I have with other people. And and what I liked about it was even though obviously she was coming from a place of like understanding this from a slightly hierarchical perspective of being a kind of six year old or however old she was at the time, uh, she was at the same time not seeing it that way, understanding that those relationships didn't have to be in competition with each other, that I can love all my nieces in different ways. They're all different ages. They have very, I have very different relationships with all of them and my nephew too as well. I don't want to forget him just because I'm talking about the nieces, but that was a really lovely moment and I loved it. And I, and I, I, I was so glad that I got it on tape, but then I dropped my microphone and I lost that recording. I lost uh, that moment. It's now only alive in my mind. And that that's the emotional moment. Those songs are just lost. I don't even remember what those songs were. And so, yeah, like I'm going to miss Brianna, who I've spent lots of Christmases with. I'm going to miss my dad, who's the person who put a lot of positives into Christmas. I'm going li- to miss my sister and my brother, who I love very much and who witnessed different parts of my childhood with me and who missed different parts of my childhood. And I missed different parts of their childhood. But we all have our own relationships. And as adults as well, one of the things that's also been very powerful to me in my life is that I have formed friendships with both my brother and my sister as adults. And that's been really great. And also, even the the members of my family who I feel more complicated about, I also will miss over Christmas. Like, I was listening back to a previous Getting Better Acquainted Christmas special. And even though it made me cringe a lot for other reasons, I was surprised uh, to be reminded of the moments that I've spent with my mum that have been positive and powerful uh, very unlike the way that uh, my childhood was that I've had those moments as an adult where we've actually found moments to connect like shifting moments like quicksand where you connect in a moment it's not necessarily for all time it doesn't heal all wounds it doesn't change all things but you you know even the people who have I have more complicated relationships with in my family. I still will miss them uh, in many ways this Christmas. Your family are always with you, whether they're with you or not. Like they're always in your memory, like the good and the bad uh, and the everything in between. And by family, I mean our families that we're born into. I mean the families that we find and, and, and make for ourselves, the friendships, the ways that we construct families that are outside of the normal concept of the nuclear family, the, the families we find, the families we make, the families we leave, the families we escape from. Like they're always with us in in whatever way, good and bad, inside us. And so at Christmas, my family in all senses of that word family will be with me. Even though it will just be me and Jen having our own bubble of Christmas. That's the objective, to have a bubble. Like 
There are bad things about living in bubbles. There are good things about living in bubbles. But sometimes you just need to be in one, to be separate, to be outside of time. I'm hoping to read some books this Christmas. I haven't read any books all year. I haven't hardly ever managed to read books. And the thing about reading books that I love is it just takes you outside of your context and outside of your time. And you kind of go off somewhere that you can't even describe. It's a kind of untouchable place. So happy Christmas to those who are feeling happy. Merry Christmas to those who are feeling merry. Solidarity to those of you who are finding it hard. Uh, It's okay to feel sad to those of you who are having a sad Christmas. I don't know what kind of Christmas I'm going to be having, but I hope that it will be one that touches on those things that come up at Christmas, that are commercialised at Christmas, that are overstated are made into dead metaphors at Christmas and yet at the same time are things that I think are possible even if they're only possible in moments and even if they're not achievable permanently they are still things that I think it's really important to try to achieve so I'm wishing you peace I'm wishing you love I'm wishing you hope I'm wishing you happiness I hope that you are feeling togetherness, that we are seeing other human beings and we are seeing that they are other human beings like us and that they are not completely alien to us, that they are people that we should feel are part of our wider human family. I'm not religious, but I do think that there are, within religions, within moments of religion, there are things that are really positive about finding commonality, about celebrating difference, about seeing how we're all the same and we're all different and how that's okay. But the thing is, you know, we need to stop hating each other. We need to stop killing each other. We need to stop using violence, not just in terms of the physical violence that we're all so familiar with as a concept, but the the other kinds of violence that we do all the time, with our words, with our actions, even the violence that we do to ourselves, with our thoughts, with our our hatred of ourselves. Like, let's try to love each other this Christmas, I guess, if that doesn't sound too preachy or too trite. Next week, there won't be an episode of Getting Better Acquainted. It's my annual week off. It might be two weeks off, depends where things fall. You'll hear back from me and Getting Better Acquainted in the new year. I will be making my annual new year episode where I kind of reflect on where I am and uh, where I'm hoping to be in the next year and considering what I've achieved and playing any clips and as I've said whatever kind of Christmas you're having I hope it's the Christmas that you want and if it's not the Christmas that you want then know at least that it will pass if you just wait long enough sometimes The feelings or the experiences end and you can see a new way forwards. The sun does come up and all of those kinds of things. It can get better. It does not always get better, but it can get better. There is always that possibility. And I guess that's what we mean when we talk about hope. Why do you have to? Oh
Santa Claus is coming tonight. He's the